My name is Mark Madison, and I am so very proud to have Fujitsu General America as a sponsor. At Fujitsu, they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each Fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end user. Adam Christing has been featured on more than 100 radio and TV shows, including ABC World News, PBS, and Entertainment Tonight. He's the president of CleanComedians.com, an entertainment and speakers bureau. He has personally given more than 4,000 performances and speeches. Adam is a popular master of ceremonies and is the author of Your Life is a Joke, 12 Ways to Go from Ha Ha to Aha. And his new book will be out in the fall of 2020, and it's called Bob Dylan Can Change Your Life. 61 rules for reinventing yourself good afternoon this is mark madison welcome to on books and people today's guest my good friend adam christing adam how are you hey great mark so good to be with you ah we met 10 years ago has it really been that long you know it might have been longer it just seems like longer yeah <laughs> i'd have written you a shorter letter if i had more time yeah that's how that goes so how did you get started as a comedian slash speaker? You know, it's funny, the things that I used to get in trouble for in school, I now get paid for. <laughs> and so I was the class clown. And uh, in fact, I'll tell you a funny story. In eighth grade, I was uh, already doing magic tricks and I was gambling in the restroom with some boys and I could have gotten in big trouble. I got called into the principal's office and I thought I was busted. And he said, how would you like to run for student body president? Wow. <laughs> And I said, sure. And so I gave a very funny speech. And my opponent said, uh, do we really want a clown as our eighth grade class president? And the voters said yes. And uh, I got to be president of my junior high school. So it was fun. Wow. Well, that reminds me of the story about Jay Leno. And, and he was cutting up in first period. And the teacher made a deal with him. Look, I'll give you five minutes at yes. the end of class if you sit still and be quiet. Yeah. So you were like Leno. I was like Leno. In fact, I'll tell you something funny about Leno. I don't know him well, but I flew uh, to a gig with him uh, a few years back. And I said, Jay, what would be your biggest tip on um, getting funnier? You know, you're such a master of comedy. And he said, LPMs, Adam, it's all about LPMs. I said, what is that? He said, laughs per minute. Mm. And I think this really applies to all, not just to comedians, but uh, humor speakers or conversationalists is can you look at what you're communicating with people and can you increase either the laughter factor or, or the enjoyment factor? And sometimes barnacles attach to us as speakers or storytellers or comedians, and we have to cut that stuff out and get right, right. to it. Just the essence. Yeah, right. Cut out, the, uh, cut out the rough stuff and just go right to it. So when did you get your first paid gig? Because they weren't paying you to be student body president in eighth grade. No, no. Uh, I think my first paying gig was probably age 13 at a Shakey's Pizza. <laughs> the, this dad said, hey, my daughter's having a birthday and uh, I'm going to give you $5 and all the pizza you could eat. And I was in heaven. I'm like, I get paid to do my magic show and then got all this pizza. And so it's been a matter of uh, getting the gigs ever since then. But some of those early ones are so precious to me because you just bring in your heart. And uh, right. now when you get paid more, more significantly, there's a lot more pressure to feel like, well, I need to really deliver the right. gift. 
Who were the mentors, the people who had a big impact on you coming up? I had a professor in college. Probably the best course I ever took, Mark, was uh, actually it wasn't a course. It was a team I was on, the speech team, and they called it forensics, which I always thought had to do with dead bodies. Right. But it actually, it actually has to do with argumentation. And so I took a little bit of debate, but where I really shined was in speech to entertain and impromptu speaking. And my mentor, Dr. Todd Lewis, I'll never forget this moment. I was a senior in college and I said, Dr. Lewis, do you think that I could make it as a professional speaker, as a comedian? And he said, Adam, I think you could, but what really matters is whether you think you can. Wow. And it was like a, a light bulb went off for me. Like, wow, it's important to have other people believe in you, but what's most important is your own uh, self-confidence and willingness to believe. Yeah, the word is self-efficacy. Do I really believe? believe that's that's awesome what a great teacher anybody else well you know i like you i love books so much i started a little publishing company called mark in books because i have a had a mentor frank who said adam when you mark in a book a book marks in you mm. and so like you i love to read biographies autobiographies a book that really changed my life was uh, Frank Betcher's book, How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success Through Selling, even, even though I think it was written in the 1930s or 40s or 1927. Oh, I love that you know that. I love it's, that you know it's, that. My it's my top oh, 10. It's such a classic. And so I, had, I was newly married and my wife was student teaching. I had no income. Suddenly like, wow, I've, I've got a family going here. We're trying to get a house. Uh, we were taking back wedding gifts and cashing them in for, for income. But when I read that book, I realized I have something of value that I can share with people. And in the beginning days, it was a lot of uh, school assembly programs. It was uh, children's ministry events at churches. And so I started to make 50 calls a day. And rather than approaching it like, hey, I'm selling you, it was more, how could I be of service to you with a special program I have about reading or about saying no to drugs? And it got to the place where every, I think it was about every 22 calls, I would get a booking and it just became a, a fun numbers game. Right. Two out of 50. Yeah. It's almost like there's four aces in the deck and there's 52 cards. So yeah, it's kind of like, it's like blackjack with real money. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's such a great, I love that book. I mean, he was this ball player, professional baseball player who blew out his knee. And so he took a job, you know, collecting, right? Right. And he hated his job, just hated. And he went in one day to quit and the CEO gave an inspiring talk and it turned his life around. And then he met Dale Carnegie. And of course, everything changed after that. When I remember, it's been a while, I need to reread that book. It's such a classic. But I remember he talked about the unbelievable power of enthusiasm. Yes. How uh, as a baseball player, how he would run the bases, even if he got a walk or whatever, like, like it was, uh, you know, game, game seven of the World Series, uh, just with intensity and enthusiasm. And so I started to do that. And you're a, you're a great model of this, Mark. I, I, I do think in the self-help arena, there's a lot, of, a lot of BS, a lot of fluff, but there's one principle that certainly works, and that's the act as if principle. Yes. So I'm, I'm going to act the way I want to feel. Uh, even if I don't care for someone necessarily, I'm going to act like I do. And pretty soon my emotions change and I do feel more loving uh, toward them because I'm acting my way into how I want to feel. William James.
and it's the father of American psychology said it, is a bird happy because he sings or does he sing because he's happy? Yes. And what's fascinating about Betcher is what, they nicknamed him Pep. Right. Because he had lots of pep after the, he made the decision to be enthusiastic. And he said, by the end of the season, he doubled his income just by being enthusiastic. Oh, yeah. And that's the part that grabbed my attention in that book. Yeah, and so that's really how I, you mentioned about mentors. Uh, sometimes it's, it's best to have, have a mentor that you can have lunch with and hang out with. But we can find mentors in history, in books, right. in movies, in our, in our faith, in the Bible. Uh, there's so many places to find mentors. The, the real secret is, are you willing to learn from them? And so whenever I read a book, I have a pen in hand. Uh, if it's a Kindle book, <laughs> I'm highlighting it that way. But I try to create a top 10 takeaway list yes. from the books that I read so that I'm, I'm, I'm extracting takeaways. And sometimes they're not even the takeaways that the author might want us to have. Like, for example, just read a, a biography about Sammy Davis Jr., maybe arguably top three entertainers of the last 100 years. And even though he was a super dynamic success on stage, he made over $50 million, but didn't keep any of it. And so one of the takeaways for, for me from that book was, it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you, you save and invest and give rather than spend. He had the largest tax, personal tax bill in the history of the United States. Yeah, he owed something like $70 million or something. Uh, it was unbelievable. I read a book years ago about it, and it just broke my heart because they yeah. ended up settling. But, you know, to your point, you know, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. So how, you, how and when did you come, up, come to the decision to start Clean Comedians? I mean, you, you were doing a lot of gigs. You were super right. busy. When yeah. did that happen? I remember doing a gig for a Cadillac dealership for a Christmas party, and they were very nervous about bringing a comedian in. This might have been the late 80s, and they were just kind of keeping their fingers crossed that I wouldn't do sexual innuendo or racial material and kept it 100% clean because I always did. I always felt like I don't want to give a performance that I can't invite my, my wife, my mom, my grandma, my kids to to see right and so it really struck me when they came up and they did not say hey that was the funniest show we've ever seen what they said was that was so funny and you didn't cuss a single time right and so then flash forward i had a friend believe it or not a pantomime artist named carrie trevanovich who was super busy doing school assembly gigs he'd been mentored mm. by uh, marcel marceau and it's kind of crazy when you think about a pantomime as a motivational speaker, but that's what he is. And he said, Adam, you work clean. I work clean. We had some other friends who work clean. He said, you should take an ad out uh, under the name Clean Comics. And I said, I like that, Carrie, but let's change it to Clean Comedians. And so the very next day, I went to uh, downtown Los Angeles and got a business license. And I called myself the president of clean comedians and Mark, there was no election. Sometimes you have to just <laughs> name yourself, give yourself the title, the authority. And a few days later, I called uh, here in Los Angeles. There's a very powerful radio uh, station called KFI. It's a 50,000 watt station. And they had a very successful afternoon show. And I called up and left a voicemail for the producer of the afternoon show. And I said, my name is Adam Christing. I'm the founder of Clean Comedians. We believe that humor doesn't have to be filthy to be funny. Nice. Uh, thank you very much. 
10 minutes later, I get a call back and he says, can you be on our show tomorrow? And we were on a show, tens of thousands of people heard it. And so none of that would have happened if I hadn't just taken action. I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have a marketing degree. I just had uh, enthusiasm like our friend Pep yes. mentioned. That's such a great story. <laughs> and, and now, Tell us about clean comedians. What so? What happened? So well, so I'm a, I'm I'm having I, uh, an event and I want to. And in 2005, we sold the business, and uh, I started doing some other things. I have a, as you know, a passion for philosophy and theology, and I made a couple of films. I bought the business back in in uh, 2012, and we are just now really reinvigorating it. But what we've uh, focused on is for a meeting planner not to have to worry about three P words: profanity no profanity, politics, no politics, and the final P is prejudice. So you're not gonna hear gender bashing, you're not gonna hear racially insensitive material. And so it's laughter you can trust. And so we work with uh, about a thousand different meeting and event planners who want their audiences to enjoy uh, entertainers and speakers who get big laughs without getting offensive. Nice. So how does somebody contact you to, to do that? Well, yeah, it's, it's real easy. Just cleancomedians.com. We have a talent manager named Brian who is so wonderful. He can help you book, you know, a super famous celebrity or a, a local, you know, a wedding reception event and everything in between. And so we'd love to be of service to your, to your listeners. And uh, I also have a book. Here's another plug, but um, it's called Your Life is a Joke. And so even if you don't want to hire a comedian or think of yourself as a comedian, you can add more humor to your life. There's really a connection between uh, laughter and happiness. It's obviously, you know this, Mark, from the science of endorphins, that when we laugh, we just feel better. Mother Teresa said, a smile is the shortest distance between two people. So it's, it truly is good medicine, as I think it says in uh, the Hebrew uh, Bible, uh, a merry heart does good like medicine. Yes. And you're a funny guy. But you do more than just uh, keynotes and magic. You MC events as well, don't you? Yeah, I think that's probably become my sweet spot is uh, being a host. And um, it, it keeps me thinking on my feet, just like your podcast does, Mark, because there might be times where it's not appropriate for me to get on stage and do a comedy bit or a magical routine because we've just seen a video about people who are uh, suffering from cancer or believe it or not leprosy still in the world or financial hardship and so sometimes I have to be almost more of a pastor of ceremonies and shepherd people into a, uh, the right experience for the client but I think the key is finding out what is the purpose of this event and how can I uh, how can I be a mission realization MC and help the organization realize the mission uh, that they're trying to accomplish I know you do this as a speaker, Mark, it's, it's really not about you or me. It's about mm. what's in it for them. And it's huge because I do this panel discussion and I've also done a lot of MCs, but the panel discussion, we get three or four people from that industry up on the stage. And then I lob an easy question and then facilitate the answers. And I've had people come and say, this was the most valuable thing we did all day. And I said, you, you do know I did the opening keynote. They said, yeah, it was <laughs> It was good, but this was great. Why do you think, what, what is it that they're getting in that context that might be different? Well, it's audience centric. 
So the question, the question is what keeps them up at night? And since they're, I'm fielding the questions and they're asking them, they're cutting right to the heart of why they even came to this event in the first place. And then what I've learned to do after that is say, okay, we're going to do a bonus workshop and we're going to focus on these three things that you guys said. We're going to dig deeper into these three things that has you up at night. And I don't know how many times I've done it, probably 30 or 40 times. And it, in a, in a phrase, Adam, it's, it's not about me. It's about the audience. Well said. I, I and think I, as a speaker, and you, you really model this, we have to be listeners and not just uh, speakers. And so I'm a big believer in uncovering the pain that an audience is feeling before I try to provide the prescription. You know, right. if you went to the doctor and, and he or she said, uh, hey, great news, I can amputate your arm. You'd be like, well, what are you talking about? But if, if they uncovered through an x-ray and through questions and, and exams that your arm was diseased and by amputating it might save your life. So sometimes we come to a, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a son or daughter or it's an audience of a thousand people, we, we bring these prescriptions without first uncovering the pain that people are feeling. And so uh, I love what, uh, before Billy Graham, there was a great evangelist named Dwight L. Moody. And he mm. said, he said, I listened more people into the kingdom of God than I talked into the kingdom of God. Mm. Diagnose first, prescribe Bingo. second. That's what doctors do. They ask a series of questions and then they dig deep and then they say, okay, it sounds like you need penicillin or whatever. You know, years ago, right. one of my lifelong best friends, Chris, uh, sadly went through some tragic things. He was involved in a motorcycle accident, broke up with a girlfriend. And he came to my house and I just decided I was going to focus on him and his pain and listen to him. And I gave very little, maybe no advice to him. And at the end of our time, he said, Adam, I think you've given me the best advice I've ever received in my life. And I thought to myself, I didn't give him right. any advice. I just, I just really, with my heart and my ears, I just tuned into him and he didn't need answers. He needed empathy. And as you know, there's a big difference between feeling sorry for someone and feeling with that yeah. person. That's what empathy is, is feeling with them. It's a shared experience. You took the time to understand and, and you were a sounding board and he solved his own problem because he got to talk and you listened with, the, with empathy. It's so powerful. Uh, it, it feels so good when someone really listens to you. I, I had a friend years ago who used to talk my ear off and sometimes I would, this is embarrassing, but I would set the phone down and go make yeah. coffee or catch yeah. up on a little sports and come back and he'd still be talking. And at the end, he'd say, hey, thanks so much for listening. Now, that's not a, that's not a good example of deeply listening, but I just knew that he just needed to talk and talk and talk. And so where the challenge comes in, and you do this so artfully, Mark, but is knowing as a speaker, as a communicator or an entertainer, you're, you're the leader as a host of an event right. as an MC. And so you, you have to combine, I think, listening first, but then as Jay Abraham, the marketing uh, guru says, people are silently begging to be led. And so I think they want to be heard, but they also want to be taken on a, on a journey. And so you need to know where you're taking them. I had a heckler once uh, kind of go off and that doesn't happen very often because I'm not in nightclubs and, you know, but every once in a while at these events, there'll be some drinking and this guy was kind of out of control and I I said, did you get a, lot of, get a lot of trouble in school when you were a kid? And everyone burst out laughing. And uh, 
you know, I, it was not my intention to, to, to make him feel bad, but I had to do something. I couldn't let him continue. Right. And the audience is rooting for you at that point because you have the microphone, you're on the platform. And so I think they're uh, hoping that you'll take charge and you did. Yeah. And then I said, if we were in Texas right now, the women would say, oh, bless his heart. <laughs> I, Which turns out that's not a good thing. Well, I want to go back to what Jay Leno said to you last for a minute, right? So now I'm asking you that question. What advice would you offer someone who wants to become a speaker or a comedian? I think the key is not so much the technology. A lot of people right now are thinking, oh, I can't be a speaker because we're in this pandemic and they're not events, but you're already a speaker. The question becomes, how do you get paid for it? And the answer is by bringing... Uh, enormous value to other people. And this is where it's easy to get a little bit lost because uh, I'll just put it this way. You want to be very specific. And so think about three takeaways that you can uniquely provide an audience. Like Mark, you are clearly a master in the areas of sales and, and personal development and health. And so the, uh, our, our listeners need to think about what am I an expert on? What do people come to me and ask for my advice or input on? And you might think, oh, that's not very valuable, but I bet it is. I've heard, mm. uh, I have an accountant who's a tremendous speaker. He's not a comedian. He's not a magician. He's not a motivator, but he is so generous in his sharing his knowledge. He helps people. Uh, he says, I'm going to help you disinherit the IRS, for example. Nice. And people feel like, wow, I'm getting value. And so the question becomes, how can I take my expertise and present it in a way that's very valuable. And then next, how do I uh, get people to pay me for it? And one of the secrets to that is, of course, a demo video. And I like to look at root words, uh, what they mean. Uh, demo is the root of demonstration. And so your demo video needs to be a demonstration, not only of what you're going to say, but how you're going to share it and who's, uh, who cares. And one of the mistakes people make is like, if you're a comedian, let's say, but you're trying to get corporate work, you don't want your demo video to be with a red brick wall in the background because when they have the corporate event at the Marriott Ballroom, it's not going to look like a comedy club. Right. So you want your demonstration to match what the buyer is, uh, his or her uh, venue looks like. No, that's really true. And you helped me put together a killer demo video and since then, I've added uh, live chunks of three to four minute uh, parts of a one hour keynote. And I, I think that's the other piece is they want to they because most people are going to sit through 10 or 15 or 20 minutes, but they will sit through two or three minutes, a couple, three times. Right. And I think one of the things I love about your video and what you do on stage is grabbing people right from the get go. You, you can't anymore do this long introduction and tell a whole life story. I mean, there's some people who can do that in a very compelling way, but I think you want to get right to the point. Uh, and that doesn't mean just dumping information. What that means is the, the real point is what's in it for me as an audience member? Why should I care about what you're going to say? And one of the secrets I've learned, Mark, is to preview. When you preview what you're going to share with an audience, you're telling them two things. One, I have valuable content that is coming your way. And number two, you're in good hands because I'm taking you on a journey that's going to uh, improve your life. Yes. And you do that really well. Thank you. How, do you. how would you like to be remembered? Well, I'll tell you, I got a note from my daughter that uh, 
I don't cry very often, Mark, but uh, I read this thing two or three times and, and she just uh, broke my heart open with joy and gratitude. Mm. And so I, I think most of all, the highest honor for me is being a, a dad and husband. And uh, I've entertained, I've had, I've been so blessed. I've had the chance to introduce people like a Jay Leno, people like a George W. Bush, business leaders, uh, Tara Westover, the author of Educated. That was a thrill for me to introduce her. But being remembered as a dad who spends time with his kids. And now we have a, a grandson, little Micah Aslan Lee. That's to me the highest honor uh, because I don't, I don't think a hundred years from now, people will be remembering our speeches unless we come up with a, I have a dream, which would be awesome but they will be impacted by the relationships and the love that we extend to our family yeah. and friends. I have a speech called, I have a nightmare, but that's not real popular. So <laughs> I, I kicked that one out. Well, I had a- You know, I, I want to point something out about uh, MLK. I, I, I was blown away. I took my, my wife and kids to DC. I had a gig there and we stood physically on the very spot where he delivered oh, the wow. masterful speech. And I started thinking about, he did not say, I have a proposal, yeah. I have a goal, I have an agenda. It's so powerful, I have a dream. And so when we communicate with others, we wanna go beyond the information and tap into the transformation. Like, and that's on an emotional and a spiritual. John Legend said it best. He said a hit song has two qualities. It's universal and it's personal. Yes. And I think that's it. Well, when Colin was 19, he was going off to college and we, I was rebounding for him at the club and it was like nine o'clock at night and he stopped and he kind of met me at half court and he pushed the ball into my stomach and he said, dad, I have to tell you something. And I thought, uh Oh, he's going to tell me, you know, his girlfriend's pregnant. I mean, I had no idea. Yeah. It was really somber and serious. And I said, what's up? He said, I want to thank you for coaching me in first, second and third grade in snow King. And he went all the way through his entire career with, you know, he is the player. I is the coach. And then he said, I wouldn't be going off to college on a full scholarship. If it wasn't for all the time and energy and effort you spent helping me get there. And I just hugged him at mid-court and we just cried. And it was that special moment, you know, that connection as you alluded to with your daughter. And to me, that's a success, you know, uh, when it's all said and done. Well, I, I do know this. What I want on my tombstone is I told you he was sick. <laughs> yeah. I told you I was sick. I got it. Well, we're going to run out of time here because the shot clock's telling me so. Uh, closing thoughts, parting comment. Yeah, I want to add another thought about my daughter. She's heading off to college. And I think what prompted her to write the letter that I mentioned, Mark, is we took an hour together last week and we took a bowl. I gave it to her as a gift and she placed it in this bag. And I said, Katie, drop it on the cement. And she did. And so it shattered the bowl. And then we sat down at a table and we took this special glue that has this gold filling and we mended all the pieces of that bowl and she created something even more beautiful than the original bowl that included all of those broken pieces. And so I want to say to your wonderful listeners and friends, uh, don't wait. It's not about getting ready to get ready to get ready to get ready. It's about taking the broken pieces as Leonard Cohen says in his wonderful song, Anthem, forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. It's how the light gets in. So drop the bull. Drop the bull. Man, 
we could probably do a whole nother session, I know, easily. And don't be surprised if I call you in a few months and go, Adam, what do you think about another one, huh? <laughs> Bring some of that enthusiasm. <laughs> hey, you're like my personal Marlon Brando. <laughs> I could have been somebody, Charlie. I could have had class. Remember the nights of Kid, it's not your night. Not my night. I could have taken Wilson apart. That's good stuff. It was you, Charlie. It was you. Well, <laughs> well, thanks, buddy. I appreciate you making the time. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for the impact you have on so many lives, including mine. Ah, uh, well, make it a great day unless you have other plans. <laughs> right. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training. It doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day, unless you have other plans.